Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Tonight, I am privileged to be joined by my dear sister, Dr. Isi Ansel, the CEO of Access Human Capital. Isi, welcome to Springboard. Thank you for having me. Go to see you every day, anytime, any day. Yes, yes, yes. Same here. <laughs> right. So it's a blessing to be alive and it's a blessing to be here on Springboard, your virtual university. As we settle to look at the professional side of things, how important is this whole theme of planning for the next 10 years mm. and, and drilling down what exactly you want to do, the tools you will need, the networks mm. you will need? How important is this discussion? Mm. Um, I think it's absolutely critical Um, from a human perspective um, companies do strategic planning they sit down and they map out their journeys for the next 5 years, 10 years, 20 years Um, if you look in the Bible which is my frame of reference um, you find in Luke 14 you know the question is asked, who would be so unwise to actually want to build but not sit down and plan, see the materials you have, etc. You know, so from all angles, for me, um, it's important. And um, life changes. Things are so complex and dynamic, etc. And so if you don't position yourself to actually have some kind of structure, you know, then you just be blown around by every wind. Um, But of course, there's also the balance, the fine balance between being too rigid so that when things are changing, you decide and change versus, you know, being so flexible, you might as well not have a plan. So it's a a delicate balance that you have to find. Between two extremes. Yes. Right. So for for purposes of context, what exactly is career planning? When when a person says, I am... Undertaking a career planning exercise. What, mm-hmm. are, what are they trying to do? Okay, so career planning, as I define it, is the intentional mapping right. of your career journey. You know, so this is when you sit down and. Um, it's not just something in your head, your thoughts and ideas. Because sometimes I meet people and they have all these plans, but they're all in their in their heads. Um, but this is when you actually articulate these things to yourself, and you're mapping out. What are my um, resources, resources in terms of my interests? What's my purpose? What are my strengths? Um, what are the constraints I have? What are the opportunities I have? Taking what you, what you have. Um, looking at where you want to be, you know, ultimately. And this requires backward planning. Backward planning as in, if I want to be president someday... I need to start thinking, okay, in 10 years, I want to be president of a country or of a, a corporation. What will I need then? What are the skills I'll need then? And then you start working your way backwards to figure out how to build those skills. And a good plan, I strongly believe in writing things down. A good plan should be written down. And the value of writing things down is you get to articulate to yourself over and over again the things you want to achieve, the things you want to do, the the changes along the journey. Because as things change around you, your own interests may change. I actually worry when I meet very young people who have a very strong laser focus on what they want to do. 
what it tells me is they've left little or no room to grow, to explore, because I want to be this and that's it. I don't look in any other direction. But growth comes with new exposure, new new exploration, new we, learning. We ask them to plan. You see, they don't plan. And yes. they plan, they think they're overplanning. <laughs> what exactly is that? Balance. <laughs> All right. That's the magic word. All right. So the key word so far is, Balance. for me, is, 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 it's actually intentional. Mm, mm, <laughs> it's intentional. Mm. It's inside that deliberateness that we find the balance. But yeah. if, if you just joined that this is a conversation with Dr. Isi Ansan, we are looking at professional development, we're looking at career planning over the next decade. It's under our theme or our general focus agenda 2027. What we are saying is this, in the space of that next 10 years, what exactly do you want to do with your career? Mm. And she says that career planning is intentional mapping of the journey. And I, I want to know the word intentional because it's not flippant. It's not something that you do haphazardly. Mm-hmm. You sit down, like like Luke 14, 28, as she quoted, mm-hmm. sit down mm-hmm. and then plan. Mm-hmm. And then the mapping also gives me an idea of navigation, mm-hmm. navigation from one end to another, mm-hmm. which she alluded to when she talked about backward planning. That means that you locate where you want to go and then you mm-hmm. work your way backwards mm-hmm. to where you are now and then begin to put the building blocks in place. Keywords, resources, interest, purpose, constraints. Mm-hmm. These are the words you should be looking out for. But let me come to you, Dr. Isan. In a complex, convoluted, competitive, <laughs> rapidly changing world, how practical is it to even plan? You are saying that plan but leave room for space. But somebody is saying, mm-hmm. listen, I just believed so strongly that mm-hmm. I was learning to operate in a particular space. That industry has been eclipsed by a new technology that has rendered it totally redundant. Mm. How practical is it to even sit down and conceptualize 10 years from now with all the changes that are taking place? Okay. So one key thing that we often miss, and in a lot of the career coaching that I do, is one of the things I've realized. Many people plan according to the market. And so somebody may sit and look and say, okay, I anticipate that IT will go in this direction or healthcare will go in that direction, so I'm going to prepare myself to go in that area. Is that where your purpose is? Is that where your interest is? Is that where your strengths lie? Um, If you plan according to the market, the market is changing. And you find yourself chasing the market rather than getting the market to chase you. And that's a big difference. If you plan according to your intrinsic interests, then you are setting yourself up to actually excel in that one particular area. And I mean... Let's not restrict it to one particular area, but to excel in what you have chosen. And when you actually start excelling, the market starts chasing after you. Let me give you a um, practical example. It will help, yes. Yes. So, for example, um, I remember, let me use myself. When I was in college, I was studying psychology because I wanted to be a child psychologist. And many people told me to look at the market. You know, no, in this world today, you have to go and do something in nursing because, you know, um, getting a job is very easy. Was nursing my interest? No way. I studied because I wanted to be in the classroom to teach. So regardless of what level, bachelor's, you know, postgraduate, etc., I was preparing myself to teach at the university level. That was my interest. So I prepared myself according to my interest, right, which blends purpose, which blends strengths, etc. If I had looked at the market, I probably would be in something totally different, where I would actually, when um, 
things change, I will find the need to change because the market is dynamic. But once I prepared myself for what my interest was, I changed plans along the way. Obviously, I'm not a child psychologist, (laughs) but the things that I learned in those psychology classes, I tell you, I use them every single day. Because I followed my interest, it was easier for me to build myself up. Then you get to the point where you become good at what you do, you're interested in it, you're reading about it, you're learning, you're exploring. You become better and better. And as you improve, the market now wants you. The market will come after you. And so um, is it realistic to plan? Yes, but it depends on how you plan. If you plan according to the market, um, you're looking at things that will change and will now have you questioning constantly. You so know. You're alluding to something called wrong planning. <laughs> well, I guess um, misguided misguided planning, right. wrong planning. Right. So the battleground <laughs> is drawn. It's, it's a battle between your, your purpose and the market. It's a battle between your your interests and the ever-changing, dynamic marketplace. Mm-hmm. Do you follow that marketplace and make sure that you are in there doing stuff? Or do you continually develop yourself and hope that the market will look in your direction? It's a debate we'll be having all night. But my guest is Dr. Isias, helping us to look at professional development over the next 10 years. So somebody's listening tonight. You've you've already stirred up a hornet's nest by saying that there is something called wrong planning. So let me scope. uh, Let me just have three imaginary, imaginary listeners tonight. One says they want to build the the best medical tourism facility in Africa, right here in Accra, Ghana, within the next decade. By the year 2027, March, they would open the the greatest medical tourism facility in Africa, right mm-hmm. here in Accra. Mm-hmm. And then another person says, I want to become the CEO of the multinational company that I, I, I'm in as a junior executive. Mm-hmm. The next person says, I want to, I want to let's say, go into business <coughs> and become the preferred or become the preferred person in my field in the area of business or in the area of the solutions I provide as a consultant. Mm-hmm. What I'm looking for in all these three scenarios is a step-by-step guide. How does the person who wants to build that facility, you are standing here, you have something, but you don't have everything that you need. You know where you want to go. Give us a step-by-step guide. You've already alluded to backward planning, but but walk us through with reference to these three scenarios, a step-by-step guide to get to that destination that we are looking at. Okay, great. Um, Once again, once you start from the destination and work your way backwards, it makes it easier. So, by, by, by what percentage? <laughs> <laughs> Makes it easier by um, just helping you to start. Right. Um, so, what I would look at is growth or development along four four separate dimensions, right? Um, I would sit and then look and say, okay, in all these three cases, what are head heart, hands, and then feet. I think it's, for me, it's one of the simplest ways of looking at things. Head knowledge, cognitive knowledge. What do I need to learn, right? And when I talk about learning, I'm talking about both formal and informal learning. So if you want to be the best in medical tourism, are you positioning yourself to learn? If I were you, I'd start looking. What are the programs I can find to do some formal, get some formal training in tourism, 
in medical tourism, in figuring out, okay, do we have hot springs in Ghana? How can we use that in the area of medical tourism, et cetera, et cetera? The learning is important. You know, one of the things that I find disappointing or um, a sad reality, really, is when we find young people and we keep firing them up, be an entrepreneur, start your own business, start your own business. But we hardly talk enough about equip yourself to start your own business. So equip yourself as in learn the right skills. Otherwise, they start their businesses and they have the totally, you know, um, skills that are off. So anyway, head um, for each of them, whether it's medical tourism, whether it's let's say you want to be a CEO of uh, you're working in an accounting firm right now, a right. media house. Right. What skills do you need in terms of head knowledge and then your hands, right? right. I would start by thinking, okay, what's the education I need? Training, academic training, right. formal education. I don't like the word academic training. It's very limiting. But formal education, formal training. Right. So my first step would be to look at that and then figure out if I think that getting, let's say, a master's degree. Master's degrees train you for industry, whereas PhDs may train you for research and academic work. And so I would think, what's the educational level that would be useful to me? And so in many of these cases, I'd say I'd look at a master's, right? Mainly because the journeys will be different. So there's nothing like there's a formula everybody has to go for, X or Y. But what's the highest level I can go to? How far can I go in learning and equipping myself. Um, formal education, informal education, mentoring, shadowing, um, learning from other people, um, apprenticeships, etc. I need to plan and have, okay, right now, where am I? What I need is all the knowledge possible. Where am I right now? And how do I build that? And then scale that up over time, right? So, so let's deal with the head issue and let me, let me okay. ask a question. So, mm-hmm. for instance, in place of doing a master's, mm-hmm. will there be a situation where it will be the preferred situation mm-hmm. for the person to, let's say, relocate to, let's say, Dubai, mm-hmm. where, which has a vibrant medical tourism industry or other, mm-hmm. other countries that have mm-hmm. it, and then actually work there for a couple of years to observe on the ground how mm-hmm. they execute? Mm-hmm. Can that be a substitute for formal formal classroom learning on that subject. For instance, maybe you're already in tourism here. You you have, you have a vibrant tourism business, but you mm-hmm. want to branch into that specialization. Mm-hmm. Or you are in medicine, you are a doctor, you run, mm-hmm. you're, you're working in a facility, or you, mm-hmm. you actually run your own facility, but you mm-hmm. want to blend your your formal training in mm-hmm. medicine and your peculiar interest in tourism mm-hmm. to as one unit. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to travel and go and actually observe somebody's practice as part of your preparation? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would actually do that in addition to the academic training. So, so the academic is one. So that academic training, the the, the, the formal learning, right. right, in terms of school training, etc., certifications, etc., is one. But hence, that's where I would say, can you move to a place? Can you do an internship where you're actually learning, you know, very hands-on learning, moving to a place where the industry is vibrant, figuring out what are the skills that I need? And so, for example, if I need to work in, um, let me look at the scenarios. If, let's say, we're doing consulting, 
in helping people to set up their businesses, to do business research. And I want to be a consultant who is known for this. I need the hands-on experience. I need to know how to craft a business plan. I need to know how to do some level of financial modeling, financial forecasting. Um, If... I'm in any industry that needs, you know, the hard skills. That is where I need to start thinking, okay, head knowledge is important. Hands. Can I move somewhere? Yes. Can I um, engage in simulations? Can I do short-term experiential, you know, learning? Um, And that's absolutely important. And all that comes under the head. Um, head and then hands. The you threw hands. in hands. Right. So um, I'd say head and hands. Right. Where head knowledge is not just strict classroom, but the value of the classroom learning for me, um, or formal learning, and it's getting information which gives you structure around your own experiences. So, for example, I've seen medical tourism. I've gone to Dubai. I've experienced it, and I think, wow, this is something I want to do. Classroom learning. Let's say I do. A, I decide to go and do a bachelor's or a master's in um, tourism. It puts the structure around hospitality industry. Right. So it puts the structure or the framework around the experience, right. and that so, takes so, you a step further. So observing may let you see the how, mm-hmm. but education will let you see the why. Yes, and it helps you to understand how to craft it and make it yours. My head and my hands are being crafted by Dr. Isiasa as we explore professional development. Let's quickly look at the heart. The heart and then also look at the feet and then we will come on to very very critical points for a person in seeking to become an industry leader but let's look at the where does the heart come in and where, where do the feet come in um so heart is your interest level who you are your own explorations you know so my interest in medical tourism means that when i'm buying books i buy books that will inform me um help me to imagine and dream more in that area um, it means it, it's all referring to how I feather that interest so if I want to be in investment banking I should be reading you know the journals that I select to read uh, matter you know um, there's a, a video of um, Magic Johnson the former NBA player and um, when he stepped outside of basketball he went into business full flesh business you know real estate etc and in one of his meetings with um, one of his earlier sponsors or business partners um, he was asked, when you pick up the paper in the morning, which page do you go to mm. first? Mm. And it was sports. He said, ah, obviously sports. And he said, no, that's the wrong place to go. You want to be in business, you go to the business section. That's where your learning is happening. But if at the heart level, that's what I'm really interested in, then it will start showing up in my recreational um choices. It will start showing up in what I want to read, the people I want to hang out with, etc. So at the heart level, it's really just pushing and deepening your interest, your passion. Right? Um, and then when it comes to feet, the feet is the, 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 the planning so that you have your timeline. So we've talk, we can talk about smart goals. So head knowledge, I figure out, okay, within the next 10 years, what do I need to know? So knowledge. What knowledge base do I need to build? Heart level. How do I further and deepen my interest in this particular area? Hands. What are the skills I need? Um, in certain areas, I need to learn how to use Excel. I need to learn how to use new software. I need to learn how to make things. I want to make bags, beads, um, whatever. I need to learn with my hands. Feet. When all this is said and done, I need to plan. So that is when you sit down and you're putting timelines, right? Putting timelines. If I want to study 
How long will that take me? Right. How do I map that out? And I'll say that with a caveat, though. I don't believe in planning and putting, okay, by age 25, I have to do this. By age 22, I have to do this. If you set yourself up to say, I want to do this by all means, because life is not a linear path. The counter-argument will be that, listen, fix the time, even if there are variances. Mm-hmm. The variance will tell you that there was a one-year variance between your originally intended time and mm-hmm. the actual time of execution. Mm-hmm. What would you say to I'd me? say fix the time, I agree, but don't be fixated on the time. Fix versus fixation. Fixated, yes. <laughs> so we have yeah, a, a discussion here in the studio. My guest, Dr. Isian, so we are exploring professional development. So far, we know that there's a head, the heart, the hands, and the feet. The head is the cognitive, the learning. The heart is the interest, the hand are the skills and the feet is the planning and the activity, the action, the movement towards the desired destination. I'm going to break these four down in a way that will bring everything home to everyone listening tonight. But one thing is certain, what, whichever area of interest you find yourself in, there is something in this discussion that will be useful for you mm. as you begin to navigate your way towards leadership in the next 10 years. The only person who must switch off the radio is somebody who has no plan of doing anything useful in the next 10 years. Switch off the radio because this discussion will actually stimulate you to do something and to reach out and become somebody significant over the next 10 years. But let me start with the part that will definitely excite the interest of many people. Let me go straight to the heart, the heart part, and ask you a question. Dr. Ansan, must your career aspirations influence very close things to your heart like where you live who you marry what social group you join which (laughs) recreational game you play and which church you attend (laughs) these are heart decisions must your career no serious somebody says i play golf because of my career aspirations Mm -hmm. must your career aspirations determine all these heart decisions that you make talk to me I think this is probably one of the harder questions. <laughs> Ironically, it's meant to be so. <laughs> I think it's a it's a tough question because um, once again, it's all about balance. You know, if let's say my career, I know that to meet people at a certain level, it's the golf course. That's where I'll meet them and get to engage. And really, that's where a lot of the business decisions are made, not in the boardroom. And so. I will look out for those opportunities, perhaps pick up golfing and see if I'm interested in it. But it becomes, for me, it becomes, what's the opposite of authentic? Artificial. Aha. It becomes artificial if I'm making those decisions solely because of career aspirations. Absolutely not. Dr. I have, somebody says, I mm-hmm. want to be fit. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, I'm choosing between Great. two equally beneficial sports mm-hmm. to meet my fitness goals. Mm-hmm. However, this mm-hmm. one has the added benefit of providing professional satisfaction. And, yes. <laughs> so what and say to that? I agree. But, you know, it becomes artificial when, let's say, I meet you on the golf course and it's really just to talk about business. But... I end up going on a path where I start pretending. Maybe I really hate golf. You know, once I tested it out, I realized this is, this is really not me. But I start, you know, because I needed to meet you. Um, I might get caught in a web where I pretend to like it so I can hang out with a certain, you know, certain people, etc. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the exception? Um, I would say it's there's a very fine line between being authentic and being artificial. And so the general, I mean, the broader question you you asked, I'd say blend them. 
you know, you want to go into a certain space, test it out. Enter there, you know, the golfing. But if it's really not your thing, you know when you're using it just as an avenue to meet people, you're not lying to yourself, first of all. And you know the you know that, well, this is not me, but there's a golf outing, I'll join them, you know, hang out, etc. But I'm not going to pretend that, oh, I love it. And then they're talking and then I'm kind of lost. Because that also matters. For me, authenticity is absolutely important. So recreation. Let's say I want to be... Um, Great example. I want to work in finance and investment. Recently, a friend of mine who's a peer mentor, we're talking about finances, and he says, okay, you need to find um, cash flow. It's a game, a board game. You know, so try and find games that will help you, etc. So if that's the area I want to go into, recreation, even board games, that's great. If I try... So, so if you hit board games, then you're not being authentic by your peer argument. Yeah. So, so it's about explore. Right. That's step one, explore. Decide whether this is for you or not. Don't be untrue to yourself. And know to yourself when you're using it, you know, just to achieve a certain aim. And when you really have found that, ah, this works for me. I enjoy it. So I can actually make sense in my engagements. I can actually um, go and hang out and I don't feel uncomfortable because this is really something I enjoy. You know, so it's... (sighs) Friendships and, mar- friendships and marriage is career aspiration a consideration? Should it be? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes, as in if you're choosing a marriage partner mainly because of the profession the person is in. No. And no. No, no, no. I said mainly, right? <laughs> mainly because of the space the person is in. Um, then we have a problem. But if you're looking in terms of what can we enjoy together, what can we share together? So you have this interest, I have this interest. That's fine. I've looked at some of the very successful models of people that have, and I've seen that there's a lot of complementarity mm-hmm. in, in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so one person has one ability, the other person has another ability, and they come together and they build a fantastic partnership, a fantastic I business. Agree. So I'm seeing that should it not be a consideration you're, 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 where you're trying to go. Let me give you a very interesting opposite. Mm-hmm. I meet somebody very accomplished mm-hmm. who's written a book. Mm-hmm. And the person is being very modest about how she presents her achievements. And mm-hmm. I find out that it's because the partner is uncomfortable with her success. Mm. If that was a consideration at the time she was making the choice, she may have made a different choice. Ah, but is, you is see, that, it's is not... Is she worth exploring? No. I think there's a difference between the person's security versus interest in the same thing that you're doing. So <laughs> I may not, you know, I may not be interested in what you're doing, but I will give you my full support because I want to see you grow and develop. That's different from um, me having an interest directly. I don't have to have an interest to push you in your ambitions. I'm talking about it just being a consideration. Should where you're trying to go in life be a consideration in the kinds of people you surround yourself with? Definitely, yes. But don't let that make you artificial. (laughs) Dr. Ansar says, in all your choices, let authenticity be at the base. If not, everything that you do could be be fake. Let me talk about skills. You call it Mm. the the hands. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are the the generic skills that anyone who wants to be upwardly mobile mm. forget about which area it could be law mm. it could be parenting mm. it could be it could be politics mm-hmm. it could be 
corporate space, you want to go into entrepreneurship, but you want to be upwardly mobile at the very top of your field. Would you would you share some generic things that one can do to mm. build up yourself? Okay, great. So first, I'd say the technology. I mean, I I. <laughs> We're in a world where technology drives everything. You cannot be an ostrich. So technology, um, whether it's software, you know, different, being able to use different software applications, um, understanding how technology works, period. So you mentioned um, medical tourism as an example. If I can actually understand and appreciate how technology works, I could actually have on my website a different site and have people zoom in for virtual reality 3d tours etc etc i may not be the one building it and doing the coding but because i appreciate how technology works then i can take that and apply it to whatever it is i'm doing whether it's banking whether it's tourism etc so technology is um, building your tech skills is something that we can't overlook to um let's say relational skills how you relate with other people Many people may rise to the top and their downfall or their loss of opportunities is because they couldn't relate well with other people. How effective you are as a manager. You know, when people quit jobs, they don't quit the jobs themselves, but they're really quitting their managers. And so your, your people skills, how you talk to people, I call them ABCDs, A for attitude, your mindset, the way you see things. B for behavior, how you behave. C for communication, how you communicate with people. D for the decisions you make and E for the energy that you have, right? So your people skills, the energy, energy must be good. How do you communicate? Are you authentic? Are you able to express yourself? Build those skills. If, for example, I'm scared of public speaking, but I really want to build a career in a space where it will require me to do some public speaking. Nothing stops me from going for coaching or even getting, <clears throat> it could be a peer mentor. I do a presentation in a mirror, we record it, and um, the person gives me feedback. You know, your body language, the way you're standing, that's learning, that's growth, right? So people skills and breaking people skills into those five different areas, A, B, C, D, E. Um, then also I would look at, I guess networking fits nicely in here. You need to know how to network. Your earlier question about um, does it matter, my aspirations, does that determine, you know, the, the space? Should it dictate? I'd say no. Should it have an influence? I'd say yes. But you need to know how to network. <laughs> Won't go down that route because that was a tough question. <laughs> but you should be determine able to. Determine versus dictate. It's, it's semantics. I, I love your choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> but it's right. important to, to know how to engage with people. Right. Because I may meet somebody and it's a very competitive world. You know, I may meet somebody and how I even pitch what I do becomes the selling point. It becomes what will attract that person to what I do, you know, and open more doors for me. Technology, relational skills and mm -hmm. networking. And you actually put some of the other skills that you will need as subsets of of relational skills, for mm -hmm. instance, attitude, behavior. Uh, behavior, communication, decisions, and energy. So mm -hmm. you call them the ABCD. ABCD. I'm sure if I give you a chance, you go all the way to Z. One thing comes to my mind very strongly at this point, and I'm going to ask, in a competitive world, you, you mentioned competition, and you, you said, I mean, yeah, networking is key, but mm -hmm. in a competitive world, I mean, you're still here planning to be CEO. Let's say that there are 100 executives in your firm. All of mm -hmm. them want to be CEO. Mm -hmm. Whatever you try to do, whatever you step out there to do, there are several other people... Mm -hmm 
also seeking to do it big in that area. Mm-hmm. What will be the differentiating factor that will let you stand out from the crowd? Okay. Um, you know, Peter Drucker has an article called Managing Oneself. And in there, he talks about focusing on your strengths, build on your strengths, and then leverage your strengths. So where there are a hundred other people who are all vying for the same, you know, to be in the same space, I need to figure out what makes me different, what makes me unique, Um, what makes, what is a strength that I can leverage. Um, It's one, making sure that I can deliver. So results matter, right? So building my technical competence is important. Um, being able to deliver is important. Having good people skills, not being fake, but being able to engage with people at the top. You know, sometimes people end up stopping, stabbing at this in the back on the way to the top uh, well, as they try to get to the top. But being, keeping it real, right? And once I'm able to identify what my strength is and I, I leverage that, if, for example, my strength is in being analytical and really looking at the analytics and being able to present that, I need to highlight that so that in the firm, whenever there's a report, they know that, oh, AC's report, you can trust that there are some dashboards in there that will make it very easy for any executive to make quick decisions because they see the graphs, the charts, etc., etc. Everybody else may be just doing, you know, writing proofs. Right. So that's extra value. You know, yes. You have to demonstrate the value you add. Right. You know, and leverage that and hit hard on it. Right. Um, is it possible that you generate value, but you don't know how to communicate that value? Very, I'm very coming close to the issue of branding. Mm-hmm. It's a subject that many do not really understand, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it's a very co- a core part of this whole mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to... I, I listened to a video that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It was about somebody talking about delighting the customer, and she said, if the person parks at your parking lot, mm-hmm. clean, and, and you decide to clean the, the person's windshield... Okay. After you clean it, raising that wiper ensures that even if the person is careless and they can't, there's, there's some people that even if you clean the windshield, they don't even see it because the, the problems are so many. So she, and and this, the person was actually saying that, listen, mm-hmm. after you clean the windshield, just taking a second to lift up the wiper mm-hmm. ensures that the driver will drop the, the, the wiper when they come back. Mm-hmm. And that one second will help them see mm-hmm. and note what you have done. And she mm-hmm. says, that is your responsibility. If not, mm-hmm. don't be surprised that the person will drive away and never ever get to know that you clean the windshield. Is that mm-hmm. not brand? Um, I, packaging and positioning. I actually totally agree. <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> and right. I'd say some people will come, they'll put the, the, the wiper down and think, oh, I must have forgotten this. Put it down and then continue. But what I would do is to leave a nice note and say, hey, it was nice of you to stop by. Glad you did business with that. And if I can slip it in there, I slip it in there. And right, then move on. right. <laughs> Let's answer Kwesi Adobui this question. He says, you, you, you are a fresh graduate. You are a beginner. You want to go into an agri venture. Is it advisable to go as a, a collective, a cooperative, or as, 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 as an individual? I think there are many advantages to doing it with others, but always, always document. Don't do this is my best friend, this is my family member, and so there's no contract. No. Start with, if you're doing it by yourself, it can be hard. If you have other people who are A, aligned, that's a key word. People who are aligned to what you want to do, you share an interest, then go ahead and make sure that you put in writing my expectations of you and of me, um, revenue sharing, input, how we're going to do this. What's the one big advantage of having partners? Ah, 
it it takes you further. You know, sometimes your skills may be limited, right, and so you skills. learn from them, and you know, it builds up. Big advantage: shared skills, mm-hmm. critical issue alignment, mm-hmm. requirement contract. All right, so that Doctor is helping us understand what to do to build our careers for the next ten years. So let me summarize what she said so far, and then bring it home with that one big question. It's a question that if you have not heard anything in the show tonight, you must wait and hear that one. So. She's been saying so far that A, B, C, D, E of the skills you will need, attitude, behavior, communication, decisions, and then energy. And then she also said that you must understand your difference, your uniqueness, and your strength if you want to stand out from the competition. She defined the career planning as the intentional mapping of your journey. And she says backward planning is where you look at where you're trying to go right up front and then you work your way back systematically but she says if all this is not written your effort is in vain she quoted Luke 14 and the verse 28 she summarized this whole discussion in the framework of the head the heart the hands and the feet the head being the learning the heart being the interest the hands being the skills and the feet being the planning and the action Dr. Isiansa what will be, in your opinion, the three greatest setbacks to the careers of people heading towards the top? Let's close up that one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one, you know, I, I listed many, and one thing run through, one thing run through all of them. So I'm tempted to summarize it in just one. Right. Pride. When I say pride... Pride that keeps you from learning. So initially I had down not learning, not being open to new things, not exploring. Um, But of course, when I think I have it all, I know it all. Then, of course, that stops me from learning, stops me from networking with people Mm. who could be a blessing or who could be partners. It stops me from going back to school um, because let's say I'm 45 and I don't want to go back into a classroom to sit with people who are younger than me. And it's still pride. Uh So pride, right. you know. So I think pride um, can be a major setback. Right. Um, the other thing would be for me, lack of discipline. And I say that because when I look at people, I mean, many of the people you have on your springboard show, the road show on this program, a lot of the people I learn from um, have routines. Right. You know, solid leaders have routines. Almost boring, terms, but, but con- consistent. Yeah. yeah. When you listen to Martin Mensah, you listen to people as they speak and they tell you, well, I do have a routine. I wake right. up at a certain time. Right. I do certain things. There's a certain level of discipline, you know, that shows up. Um, being punctual, etc., responding to emails. Be- so for me, discipline. And so the lack of it can be a major pitfall. Mm. And it's something that many of us may struggle with. Right. You know, just being, being forcing ourselves to stick to discipline. Um, the other thing I had still goes back to pride. Lack of learning. <laughs> you know, lack of Fruitings. learning. So pride can be a pitfall. Um, lack of discipline. Right. And lack of, let's replace learning with exploration. Right. right. So pride, lack of discipline, and failure 
to explore these three things. Well, if you didn't learn anything tonight, these are the three things that could destroy your career <laughs> or your professional development over the next 10 years. I've been speaking to Dr. Isiansa, helping us to understand how to push yourself for advantage in the next 10 years. I have a word counter in my on my, my dashboard, and I counted a word that appeared 17 times. So in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to ask you to explain how big is this for you, and why did you use it about 17 times? It is the word authentic. Use the word authentic. And then at the point when you had used too many times, you used original, then you used real, then you used <laughs> unique. In all this, how big is authenticity? In 10 seconds. Um, life has many complexities and you're either going to be blown about by the wind or you're going to stand your ground in being authentic. And that's how you deepen your roots. If you're not authentic seconds. in the next 10 years, <laughs> your fakeness will be exposed along uh-huh. the line. We'll talk about this again. <laughs> Definitely we should. We've been talking about Agenda 2027, the professional development side with my sister and my friend, Dr. Isiansa. My name is Albert Okran, supported by Comfort Matthew and Amos, saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-9900. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching, the light has come.